You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon and welcome to America's Web Radio. And it's time now for Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And we've got Phil Forsberg on, and uh, Phil's going to fill us in on some of the things with uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And uh, then we'll move on to something that all vets should be attuned to as we uh, go into the program today. And we'll be talking about veteran benefits, and some you know about, and it's unfortunate that many, many veterans, and particularly their families, don't know about all the benefits that are available. As we're doing that, too, we want to remind everybody that we got Warriors, the number four, hope.events coming up the 28th of this month, just three days away, and you want to be sure and watch and listen to it with uh, Lee Greenwood and Rocky Blyer, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. So with that being said, good afternoon, Phil. Hey, good afternoon, David, and to all your listening audience. Well, you know, it's growing by leaps and bounds, and uh, we uh, we had started things, and I'm going to do it even though we're running just a hair late, but we had started doing a thing of of uh, veterans praying for veterans, and it's under the J. Roy Ritchie Memorial, and uh, that's my memorial to my best friend that died of Agent Orange uh, complications uh, a couple of months ago, and uh, it is going over well, and I won't mention the name, but uh, I got a letter today from a veteran that listens, and uh, he's wanting our prayers with... He's been he's been sober now for uh, about a year, and you know he's still fighting a, a drug addiction. And you know it's tough staying, keeping your sobriety. And we want to pray for him. Like I said, I won't mention his name, but we're getting more and more veterans and our brothers and sisters praying for him. So. Keep that in mind. You can go to our homepage and sign up. If if you're in need of prayer or you have a friend that's a veteran that's in need of prayer or family member, whatever. And we're going to take just a very brief moment. We've put some music behind it so you won't think we're off the air. But we're just going to take a very short break and be back with Phil right after this. Okay, we want to thank everybody for taking that moment of silence and uh, thinking about their brothers and sisters in the military that either need prayer or members of families or whatever. And we recently had um, one of our J.C. Johns Creek Veterans Association members uh, die and their family needed prayer. So, Phil... 
What have you got for us this morning? Or afternoon, what? actually. Uh, well, you know, uh, I've just been thinking about uh, the Desert Storm, uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and uh, and how everything worked out. Uh, uh, I, you know, it's it's been 30 years now, <clears throat> and uh, 30 years ago we were fighting the air war. And uh, for those of you who may not <clears throat> recall, it started out with uh, Desert Shield. There was a, uh, you know, the invasion of, uh, of Kuwait by Iraq. And uh, we immediately sent uh, forces there, uh, initially very light forces, <clears throat> 82nd Airborne and some Marines and such, uh, to... Uh, uh, to, at the request of the Saudis to be sort of a barrier in case Saddam were to come further south. And then uh, we uh, we gradually built up during what was known as Desert Shield. And uh, at the time, our uh, Secretary of State, James Baker, was uh, making a lot of uh, work uh, trying to get the, uh, the, the Iraq to uh, leave Kuwait. Uh, and there were overtures by uh, the United Nations and uh, the Soviet Union tried to mitigate the whole thing or, and uh, get uh, Saddam some sort of agreement with Saddam. And uh, well, it came down to sometime in December of '90 that uh, that the Secretary of State made us, you know. Uh, a statement to Saddam said that he's got until the 15th of January to get his forces out of Kuwait. And uh, I recall one of the things he said was uh, up until now, Saddam had made a series of miscalculations. And uh, from here on out, any more miscalculations on his part were going to be very costly. Well, <clears throat> so the night of uh, January 15th, everybody was braced that we were going to go to conflict, and of course, uh, it didn't happen then. And uh, I know a lot of the guys had wanted to be flying missions that first night uh, of the of the air war, and uh, I <clears throat> didn't want any part of it. So I just said, uh, "Okay, I, I don't want, you know put, don't put me on the schedule that night." So. Of course, I wound up on the schedule the next night, which is when the war started, and uh, we—it uh, <laughs> was pretty exciting. We—I uh, was flying the OB-1 Mohawk on uh, surveillance missions, using side-looking airborne radar and checking the movement of his forces, and we—we uh, uh, we were not supposed to be on the uh, air tasking order for the day that the war kicked off. But they, they told us, well, go ahead and uh, put on your chemical suit and uh, take these uh, anti-nerve agent pills. And uh, I said, you still want me to fly the mission? I said, yeah, go ahead. I said, is the war starting? They said, well, we don't know for sure. <clears throat> I got up, went pre-flighted my aircraft, and uh, I was a little nervous because I had just taken this nerve agent pill. I didn't know what it was going to do to me, especially while I was flying. And so uh, 
I double checked before I took off, and they said, "Yeah, go ahead and fly." We took off and <clears throat> flew our our mission. Uh, one of the first things we did was uh, what they call a sweet and sour check. We would we had four different modes of transponder uh, that uh, could be checked by AWACS, and uh, so the the codes had to be loaded in there. And uh, when we would take off, we would make a radio check with uh, AWACS and find out uh, if if our codes were all correct. We called it a sweet and sour check, and the uh, we uh, we so we contacted uh, AWACS and <clears throat> asked for the the, well, the sweet and sour check, and they told us all of our all of our codes were sweet. I said, fine, you know, we took off. We transitioned through a Marine Corps uh, air base, uh, airspace <clears throat> uh, at Jubail. Talked to them, advised them we were flying through their area. Well, we got on the other side of that, flew up to the border to start our mission. and We hadn't heard from AWACS or any chatter at all on the AWACS frequency in a very long time. And so I, uh, I tried to reach AWACS on... Uh, on the UHF frequency, no response. I tried to reach them on the VHF frequency, no response. I tried the UHF guard frequency, no response. Tried the VHF guard frequency, no response. I called back to Jabal, the Marine Corps base, and uh, on the VHF, and asked them uh, for a radio check. They said loud and clear. I knew something was up, so I uh, I called. I, I asked my uh, right seater, who was uh, Sergeant Mullins at the time. I said, Sergeant Mullins, what does it say in our mission book if we uh, lose radio contact with AWACS? He said, it says return to base. So we headed home, and uh, when we landed, uh, I went into the maintenance tent. And I called up to our operations office, and I said, hey, I don't know why, but we couldn't contact AWACS, and our mission book says come home if you don't do that, if you can't do that. And uh, they said, we'll send a truck for you. And they sent a truck down, and the flight operations clerk said to me, uh, Captain Forsberg, I'm supposed to take you up to operations. It is no longer Desert Shield. It is Desert Storm. <laughs> So you were under radio silence, right? Yeah, well, it was radio listening silence, but they hadn't included us, our our unit, in that. And we weren't supposed to be flying that night. So uh, it's a good thing I had checked the mission book because uh, all hell broke loose that night. Every every uh, aircraft in the Department of Defense inventory that could fire a weapon system was out there loaded for bear. And... Uh, uh, who knows what would have happened to me? Uh, <laughs> our mission was to fly at about ten thousand feet <clears throat> at a very uh, slow, stable uh, speed, and fly uh, a gyro-stabilized track. So it wouldn't be hard to shoot me down at that point. Uh, and uh, for those that uh, may not remember, or some folks probably weren't even born then, those thirty years ago. Um, 
as soon as we started the air war, Saddam sent his entire air force uh, to land in Iran uh, at various airfields there. Uh, I found that sort of interesting because Iraq and Iran had uh, been fighting a war for a number of years prior to that. I didn't think they had any kind of diplomatic relations. But anyway, his whole air force was sitting on the ground in Iran, and I think he was pretty sure we weren't going to blow him up there. But we blew up a fair number of his uh, of his air force uh, on the ground uh, the night of the air war. I think we blew up every radar transmitter that they had in that country and completely blinded them. So yeah, that was that was the kickoff. And as soon as uh, I was told it was now Desert Storm, I picked up the logbook and I erased the uh, service mission that I had put in there and I changed it to a combat mission. <laughs> and I didn't even know my first combat mission was uh, what I was supposed to be. I bet that's not the uh, first time anything has uh, changed in midstream, has it? <laughs> you know, uh, it, uh, in, in Army, our, uh, our headquarters of our various units, they move around and they, and they call them a, a TOC or a Tactical Operations Center. And we have a saying that uh, you can make your best plans, but no plan ever survives the first mortar round that hits the TOC. <laughs> and you know combat is essentially chaos organized chaos isn't it uh to some <laughs> extent <laughs> best you can organize it right it's not always possible phil we're gonna take a uh, quick break and we'll come back to phil Forsberg talking about desert shield and desert storm and then we'll also be talking a. Uh, about benefits in uh, just a few minutes. So we'll be back right after this. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who have been touched by pediatric cancer. I'd also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you at noon on January 28th. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army with training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Hi, I'm Lee Greenwood, and I am so proud that the Warriors for Hope group has asked me to host their first annual fundraising event to benefit St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen on January 28th. I'm looking forward to some very impressive people talking to us about social responsibility 
and the need to help worthy people with long-term physical or psychological issues. It's going to be a great show with a great cast, I promise. And hey, I might even sing. Go to Warriors for Hope website to register and donate to support our cause. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, uh, you know, David, I uh, was speaking of uh, my first uh, combat mission there that I, I flew. Uh, it's, it, it's hard to describe what it was like back then. We, uh, we thought we were fairly advanced technologically, but nothing compared to what we have today. Uh, communication from one end of the battlefield to the other was uh, basically by HF radio uh, and they're subject to all sorts of atmospheric interference um, we did have uh, some difficulties with long range communication but you know uh, and and that leads to just a great deal of ambiguity that's uh, going on and, and that's all part of the chaos um, but I'll, I'll tell you uh, that uh uh, you know, I, I was thinking about the guys that, that have fought in uh, in Iraq since Desert Storm and, and since we went back, I guess, in uh, in 03. Uh, and I just, my heart goes out to those guys because, you know, there are a lot of folks that when we came back told us we hadn't finished the mission. And, uh, of course, we, uh, you know, we didn't get to decide when the mission started or ended. So uh, we're just a very uh, mixed feelings about the folks that have had to go back and uh, and mop up afterwards. Uh, and I actually, I volunteered a number of times to go be part of that, but uh, was never, uh, I was never permitted to, uh, to, to go back again. And I finally retired in uh, 2011. Uh, almost 10 years ago and uh, but my, my hat goes off to those guys and, and to every veteran that has ever uh, served uh, even uh, you know in, in combat or or uh, peacetime in any of the services any of the components of the services uh, I really feel that uh, we have uh, you know a family I wasn't going to say a brotherhood because, you know, there's many women that have served, so it was called a family. Um, and, uh, you know, you can sign up out of a, a sense of patriotism. You can sign up uh, out of a love for your country. But uh, once you get there, once you're uh, in the situation where you have to uh, really exert effort, uh, you find that that's kind of secondary in your mind. You're really out there fighting for the, for the guys and the gals uh, on your left and right. Um, you know, that, that's 
that's what's primary in your mind. All right, like they say, uh, I've got your six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you really appreciate it when someone has your six and when they save your bacon. And so, uh, you know, it, it kind of increases your resolve to uh, be there uh, for the folks that might need you. You know, and, uh, go ahead. I, uh, I've said many times now that, uh, you know, you join the military. It doesn't matter which branch, like you said, but you're all brothers and sisters. And, uh, that's exactly why we started the, uh, J. Roy Ritchie prayer line of veterans praying for veterans because a veteran knows what that person has gone through and is going through, whether it's in basic training or, in the field, in the in country, whatever, but no better than a veteran praying for a veteran. Well, and I can tell you, I did spend a good deal of time uh, praying when I was in uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Uh, those of us who were uh, a little more, let's say, uh, devout than others. Uh, kind of found each other out, and we spent a good deal of time, you know, you know just praying, uh, praying for our country, praying for each other, um, and praying for, you know, our troops. You know, I I didn't <clears throat> I didn't face all that much danger. Uh, uh, well, we did get shot at with scuds and all, but you know, you can't be terrified twenty four seven. Um, but, uh, you know, I was very concerned about the guys going forward. There were a lot of things we didn't, we didn't know how things were going to turn out. Uh, I got a little alarmed when I found out they were building a huge morgue, uh, in our location. And, uh, but, you know, uh, the Department of Defense does lots of things in preparation that they never actually use, thank God. But, uh, you know, prayer is, is definitely a way to deal with stress. And uh, and so, uh, you know, there's no better place to turn than to the Lord for, uh, for help. Uh, and I, I'm sorry about your friend. Uh, and uh, I just, you know, uh, I guess we're going to get out of this anyway, David. But I need to talk about uh, veterans' benefits. You know, sure. uh, when when you get a veteran's benefit from from the government, it it's not coming from the army or the navy or the air force or the marines or coast guard or whoever you might have served with. It's coming from not from the Department of Defense, but the Department of Veteran Affairs. And when veterans need help, uh, that's who is going to help. And we have really great uh, programs. Uh, that are passed into law that the, the Department of Veterans Affairs is charged with administering, but there's so many uh, complications to it. It's very difficult. Veterans often get uh, frustrated and uh, confused, and a lot of times will just give up uh, in getting benefits that they're really uh, entitled to. And, uh, you know, if they need these benefits, they, they really ought to go uh, contact a uh, veteran service organization like 
disabled American veterans or the VFW or the uh, American Legion. There's many of them. And just ask to talk to a service officer. Uh, these are volunteers. They're not going to hassle you to join the organization. They're just going to uh, review your case, tell you what you need to do to file your paperwork, and, and uh, they'll even allow you to use them as your power of attorney and file the papers for you. It's a very good process. How well are the service organizations uh, promoting this, do you think, Phil? Uh, I don't know. It's hard, you know. Uh, to, you know, where do you go for an audience? I, that's why I like to do it on, on this show, is to let folks know uh, I serve as a volunteer service officer for the disabled American veterans. And, uh, you know, we're not allowed to charge anybody any amount of money for what we do or even allow them to buy us a sandwich or a beer or a cup of coffee. We're, you know, when we do it, we, we're sworn that we will not uh, accept anything in compensation or consideration for what we do. And uh, so we, uh, and we don't hassle them. To uh, to join our organization, we're glad to have them if they if they like it. But uh, you know, uh, the, so what are the kind of benefits that they could get? You know, there's disability compensation. Uh, if they're indigent veterans, then we can get them a, a pension. If uh, you know, there's education benefits. There's uh, vocational training benefits, there's health care benefits through the VA medical system, there's uh, home loans, and uh, of course nobody wants to use the burial benefit, but it's there too. So, uh, you know, and if you're a veteran and, and maybe you don't want to avail yourself of these things, but you have family members uh, who uh, could benefit from them, uh, you really ought to take a look. Uh, you can just go on va.gov. And, uh, and see what kind of benefits uh, are available and explore all that. And if you, uh, you can file most of those things online, and if you need any help, you just call your uh, uh, veteran service officer at one of your veteran service organizations, and uh, you just go on, on the Internet, find out who, where's the local chapter of the DAV closest to you, and ask to speak to a service officer. You know, and this is not only for the veterans that are listening right now or will listen in the podcast, but also for you ladies and sons and daughters of veterans that didn't know that your father or mother have these benefits available, and they are to the family as well. Am I correct in saying that, uh, Phil? Yeah. I know. And um, there are certain thresholds of... Uh, for uh, certain benefits, um, you know, as far as like uh, disability compensation benefits, there are certain rules. But uh, uh, you know, the higher you go in, in your compensation benefits, the, the more benefits become available to you. Um, and if you know, if you're a hundred percent service-connected disabled veteran, and that doesn't mean you know you have no arms or legs and you can't you know, can't feed yourself or whatever, uh, or maybe you're on life support. That's not what 100% is. Uh, 
but there, you know, at a hundred percent, there's all sorts of things that kick in, uh, and each state has their own uh, list of uh, benefits that they've passed into law. Georgia has some very generous benefits for veterans, and uh, you know, you just you really need to know because you've earned, you if you're a veteran honorably discharged, then you you've earned these things, and you need to uh, need to avail yourself. Let me ask uh, another question, Phil, and and uh, being that I was a grunt, and being that you were one that I would have to salute to all the time, are there any? Uh, do they? Is there any discrimination between officers and NCOs? No, no. Uh, officer, warrant officer, enlisted. It, it doesn't matter uh, because the VA is not. It, like I said earlier, it's not the Department of Defense, it's the VA. And if you earned a benefit, you earned it. And if you retired as a four-star general, or if you did a two-year hitch and got out of a, uh, a private E1, uh, you know, but you still, whoever's got a uh, uh, an honorable discharge and, uh, uh, you know, has, has met the criteria, the benefits are the same. That's fantastic. And for the family members that are listening, if, uh, again, uh, this is probably one of those questions I shouldn't ask, but is it, um, how do I say this? Okay, uh, ex member of my family was a veteran, died, and never got any veteran benefits. After the veteran has died, can a family member still go back in and say, look, my dad was, you know, this, this, and this, or whatever, and uh, he never got any benefits? Can the family at that point get anything? Well, <clears throat> there are there are some. The one that comes to mind uh, right off the bat is uh, what's known as aid and attendance. Um and the, the VA will uh, pay for, uh, um, basically, if someone is unable to care for themselves and needs needs to pay somebody, whether a home health nurse or a, a <coughs> assisted living facility, <coughs> excuse me, the, um, the VA will pay, I think, up to $1,200 a month toward that. Uh, but, uh, you know, the... Of course, that person who's getting the benefit would have to be the uh, the dependent uh, of the veteran. So, for instance, a wife or a husband of the veteran. Uh, and uh, you know, if uh, if the veteran had never filed for uh, any disability compensation or rating and uh, had no rating of uh, percentage of disability, then uh, they would treat that. They would still make that available uh but uh if the veteran was uh but if but if the veteran never had a disability rating then the compensate the uh the aid and attendance uh compensation would be uh means tested in other words you'd have to show that uh you did not have uh, above a certain income uh, in order to, to qualify for that. What about but if the veteran were, uh, were disabled, even 10% disability, then they don't have a means test for that. 
What about uh, other benefits that uh, the uh, spouse might get after the the veteran has died? For instance, can they still apply for a VA loan? Yes, they can get they can get a VA home loan uh, if they're an unremarried uh, spouse of a veteran, uh, and there are certain uh, certain conditions that uh, appertain. Uh, appertain to that, but uh, uh, yes. Also, uh, what else? If if the veteran were to be uh, receiving disability compensation, and then were subsequently to uh, pass away from uh, whatever condition was rated as a service-connected disability, then the uh, the veteran's uh, surviving spouse. Could uh, could be paid what they call uh, dependent indemnity compensation. Uh, so it would be a reduced amount of what the veteran was getting, uh, but that that would go to the spouse. And how long would that last? Uh, well, as long as they did, or his long, yeah, hmm. indefinitely. You know, th- this is this is things that. We want to really promote this show and re- and promote the fact that we're doing a veterans benefit show because, I mean, I there must be bajillions of dollars that are left on the table because of lack of knowledge. Yeah, uh, and uh, I can't tell you, David, how many times I've run into veterans. You know. You know the guys. You see them uh, walking around, uh, you know, the, the big box stores or whatever, and they have a, a hat on that says, uh, you know, Semper Fi or uh, Screaming Eagles or uh, USS Kitty Hawk or something on there. You see, sure. I would stop and ask them, uh, you know, if they're a veteran and thank them for their service and uh, get a little conversation going. And, and I ask them. Are you receiving any benefits from the VA? And do you need anything from the VA? Do you need my help? And uh, some of them are, well, completely ignorant as to the to the process or the availability or the nature of the benefits. And uh, so I encourage them to uh, call me. I, I always carry my my service officer cards with me, and I hand them out freely. And I can't tell you uh, how few people ever. Uh, Reach uh, reach out to me for help with that. Uh, I mean, and it's sad. Well, and and uh, if if the veteran doesn't know, his family or her family sure doesn't know. It's true. And and this yeah. is this is why we're going. Like I said, why we're doing the show and going to promote it and and uh, make sure the veterans are taken care of. And it's uh, you know. This is going to sound sick, but then again, nobody accused me of being a brainstorm anyway. But, uh, you know, this is what the people that don't serve deserve their taxes to go for. And that's taking care of the people that have served and made it a country of a free country. And so the folks that haven't served, they can pay their dues this way and and uh, know that their taxes are going for a very, very good cause, their freedom. And, yeah. 
I agree. So we're going to take uh, another break, and we'll come back with Phil. We're sort of taking breaks as we as we take them today. So we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Lee Greenwood, and I am so proud that the Warriors for Hope group has asked me to host their first annual fundraising event to benefit St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen on January 28th. I'm looking forward to some very impressive people talking to us about social responsibility and the need to help worthy people with long-term physical or psychological issues. It's going to be a great show with a great cast, I promise. And hey, I might even sing. Go to Warriors for Hope website to register and donate to support our cause. And that's Warriors, the number four, hope, dot, events. And rest assured, Mr. Greenwood is going to sing, and it's going to be a new version of his hit song, God Bless the USA. And uh, he's changed it some just for this event, and it's going to be... He and Rocky Blyer will be hosting it, and it is going to be great. The 28th of January, starting at noon, just go on your computer to warriorsforhope.events. They've got just absolutely fantastic items to auction off, and they're both fantastic causes. And uh, a lot of Vietnam veterans are taking advantage now of the Warriors to Citizens organization, even though Vietnam has been over with for almost 50 years. And yet it's something that was needed back then and is needed now for our veterans that are coming back from deployment in the Middle East. And uh, then we all know about St. Jude's and the wonderful job that – uh, Danny Thomas invented, and so it's just great. Just mark your calendars: noon, January the twenty eighth. And I, I know some of the other items. There are some beautiful guitars that they're auctioning off that have been signed by a number of different Hollywood stars and and uh, singers. So keep that in mind and be sure and do it. And Phil, I bet you're even. I know that you. Uh, I know what you like to do on the sidelines, so uh, tuning into an auction might be just like playing cards. I'll be tuning in on the twenty eighth. Yes, sir. It should, well, uh, should be fun. You know, David, uh, you mentioned about uh, a, a good use of our tax dollars. And, uh, you know, folks uh, rightfully are concerned that our tax dollars are being spent, uh, you know, correctly uh, for the good of the country. And um, so, uh, I I mean, I really can't think of a better way uh, or a more deserving population to take care of than than the veterans. Um, They... uh, you know they they really ensured our uh, enjoyment of our rights, and uh, we, you know when you when our nation makes a promise to our veterans, the folks who are 
are the audience for that are the folks who may uh, sign up to serve. And uh, that's that's who we're, we're advertising this, that this is a benefit we give to our veterans. And uh, if, the, if the young people today don't see the veterans being taken care of, uh, it really colors their decision whether or not to serve. And uh, regardless of how safe we think the world might be these days, uh, we need our armed forces. Uh, they are the ones that uh, stand between us and uh, tyranny. Uh, other nations who would uh, presume to take what we have, I can tell you that uh, Saddam went into uh, Kuwait because he felt like he could and no one would stop him. And uh, I guarantee you the world is the same today and uh, folks would come and take what we have from us if they thought they could get away with it. Well, this is something that we all have to uh, look at. And as far as, uh, and you've heard me say this many, many times, but if you're a graduating senior or your grandson or granddaughter is graduating from high school or you're graduating uh, from college and you haven't made up your mind what you want to do, but you sort of like doing this or you sort of like doing that, I can personally guarantee you that some branch of the military has exactly what you're looking for. And, you know, the military has changed a lot, or the impression of it has changed a lot since Phil and I were in, and certainly uh, Phil. But, you know, it, my son has, is a major in the Air Force, and he looks at it, it's his job, and it's an occupation. And when he comes out of the Air Force, he's going to have a quality that every HR person is looking for, leadership and discipline and giving of service to his country. And he'll be ten steps ahead of anybody else that hadn't served that's looking for the same job. And it's a, it's a career. It's a great career. And... If you're an officer, uh, the benefits afterwards are incredible. And if you're young and haven't decided what you want to do, look at the military. There is a branch that's got exactly what you want to do, whether it's electronics, you name it, and the service has it. If you want to be an engineer, they've got that. If you want to be a surveyor, they've got that. You, You just name it. And also, while you're in the service, you can go to school, and they'll pay for that. So take a look at the military. There's a place for you, and you will be joining the biggest fraternity or sorority in the world that will live with you and be in your blood from now on out. Fair statement, Phil? I agree, and I endorse military service for young people who are qualified. Uh, and I would, I would add to that, uh, David. It, uh, you should have a plan. But if you want to go and serve, if you if you want your uh, your time in service to uh, to be the most uh, fulfilling and enjoyable, I would say. Uh, you know, find yourself a mentor, somebody who did serve, 
whether uh, a short amount of time or uh, or maybe a career, and uh, just sit down with somebody you trust. And it doesn't matter how long ago they served, uh, they will have insights that will be very valuable to you because, uh, you know, there are some things that just don't change. So if, if you're a young man or young woman thinking about going to service, uh, I'd go find a family friend or somebody trusted or maybe your mom or dad and uh, talk to them about what you could do. You know, that uh, the services are all over putting out uh, information uh, about careers in the service. Uh, there's some really high-tech stuff you can get that's extraordinarily valuable. Uh, if you just do one one enlistment and come out with a degree as a or, a, or qualification as a network engineer and a top-secret clearance, people will be lining up to hire you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I don't think we, we push strong enough on this, or I haven't been, but there's just something about that guy in front of you in Chowline or the woman in front of you or... You sit down at the same table, and you know, I've I've heard and I've had it happen to me. Son of a gun, we're from the same town. We went to the opposite high schools, or this or that or what. But you'll, you will, I can promise you, make friends for life that will never, never go away. And the camaraderie of being in the military is just beyond words. It's true. And another thing, if you're, uh, you know, uh, getting to know the folks that you're uh, serving with, uh, some of them you'll find that uh, they all come from different backgrounds from you. And uh, that has a uh, has a wonderful effect of helping you understand uh, uh, people's different perspectives growing up. Uh, I grew up uh, in the north. Uh, in a fairly suburban area, and uh, I got exposed to folks that had all different backgrounds, uh, racial and cultural backgrounds, and uh, it, it really had an effect that, that helped me in my interpersonal skills and in understanding how how uh, people process information differently. You know, all right, let, let, let me throw the ball back at you, Phil. Can you think okay. of anything really that bad about the military? Well, you know, that's uh, there's that part about giving your life for your country. That's not all that pleasant, but it, it's certainly an honorable thing. Um, there, you know, no. But as as far as, and when I say basic, I don't mean basic training, but uh basic day in and day out it's a job and maybe it's flying maybe it's driving maybe it's this or maybe it's that maybe it's intel maybe you're going into a a room that uh uh the door slams behind you and it's like being in a vault but that's intel and it may be you know but it's a it's really a job and and every, I think everybody has this thing in the back of the mind that if you go in the military, you're going to be shot at. Well, 
In some cases, that's true, but not in all cases. In fact, what is it for every one person that's in country? It used to be, I don't know what the number is now, but it was five people supporting them, whether it was in country or in the United States or whatever. But um, it takes a lot of backup just to put one person in country. Yeah. Uh, You know, going back to what I said about uh, getting a mentor prior to going in, uh, and when I say prior to going in, I would say get your mentor before you... uh, before you ever darken the door of a recruiter, uh, <clears throat> and consider all services and consider all factors, uh, and uh, pick the one that's right for you. Uh, and uh, you know, there's a uh, there's a lot of hard work in in many of the jobs, um, but uh, it's very rewarding. It'll sure will teach you how to have a work ethic. Uh, it'll teach you about working on things that are very important. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine there's no other way, I think, for a guy or a gal that's uh, 18 years old to suddenly become completely self-sufficient, uh, you know, have a place to live, have food to eat, have a job, uh, be able, and to have benefits. Uh, that's that's from day one. Uh, it's amazing, really, if you think about it. Uh, I have some uh, folks in college right now, so my sons and my daughter uh, in college, and they, uh, I, I don't know how they're going to uh, transition to being independent, but uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a process. But you want to flip a switch, you go in the service, and day one, you're... Uh, yourself sufficient with somebody making sure you do what you're supposed to well you do have a fair amount of supervision i can tell you that (laughs) but you know and and it's certainly changed a lot since i was in but you know it's a the military has a plan and they have a plan for you (coughs) and whatever branch or whatever you decide you want to do it's um, it's very rewarding, and I know folks that uh, that are like I am that uh, I never went in country, and and I I put in my six years, but um, there are a lot of folks that that haven't done anything, and they will they regret it towards the end of their lives, you know, and uh, that's a shame because well. I can't say enough about the uh, about the military, and you're you know I just there there's a reason for everything, and there's a reason for every job in the military, and one guy that tightens a nut is just as important as the guy that tightens the bolt, and they all have a job, they all have a and and as a pilot. I bet you thank God many times for the mechanics that worked on your plane. Yeah. You know, well, there's nothing like uh, when you're flying around in a single-engine helicopter, you can uh, spend a lot of time thinking about the folks that 
how good their training was and uh, how much you rely on them. Oh, yeah, and it's like, you know, when uh, when you yelled Geronimo as you're coming out of the back of a 130 or something, gosh, I sure hope that guy was sober when he packed my chute. Yeah, uh, yep, you know, uh, I did the airborne myself, uh, and, uh, yeah, you put a lot of trust in, uh, in the folks doing their job, and uh, that's sort of what I meant when I said you learn how important it is to do a responsible job. Right. So, and leadership, my goodness, where else are you going to learn leadership that quickly and that effectively? And be respected for it. And leadership can be anything from an E5 to a five-star general. And they all have their functions. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's just great, and I enjoy these shows, Phil, like you wouldn't believe. I get more out of them than, than uh, other folks do because I get to talk to you and, and I get to listen. And, and have you come up with that name yet? Uh, no. No, I haven't. I'm still researching. Of the one veteran that can tell only one story. Right? Oh, oh. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Nope. I have not run into him. Well, veterans, you know, if, I tell you what, uh, going to, I went to one meeting at the JC of Veterans Association, and uh, there's nothing better than to sit around a table and listen to the in-country guys talk. And there's one guy that always comes to mind, Submarine Mike, and... Uh, there are just many others, and the stories are absolutely great, and we always encourage all of our military, if you've got a child or a grandson or granddaughter, pull them up in your lap and tell them about what you did. Because right now, and I do mean right now, our veterans are our history books, and we can't lose that. You've got to talk to your kids and your grandkids and tell them about what you did in the service so that memory can be passed on to the next generation and the next generation if our public schools and our history books don't catch up with us. And that's a sad scenario, but it's a true scenario. And uh, you are our history books as veterans. I I can agree with that. Uh, I'll tell you that uh, my grandfather served in World War One greatest man I ever knew. Uh, he skyrocketed all the way to the rank of private uh, <laughs> and uh, got a medal for breathing too deep during a German poison gas attack in France uh, oh. on the 29th of September 1918. Uh, but he uh, he told me just a few stories and, uh, you know, those stuck in my mind to the point where years later, I was able to go to uh, military uh, libraries and bibliographies and look up and see the unit he was in and, and what they did and uh, and uh, just pinpoint down to uh, a very small grid coordinate uh, where he served and uh, Phil, and some of the stories dovetail right in there with the with the unit uh, reports. I hate to interrupt you, but we're out of time and uh, we'll be back with Phil next week next Monday. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.